Hello and welcome to 3 Keynote. I'm Al. And I'm Fred. The film appreciation podcast where we talk about three films, one from pre-1960, one from pre-1990, and one from after that. Yes, indeed. Yes. What be the first? Well, first, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> first, we have a... Uh, a sponsor? Oh, we do. Uh, yeah, which is um, it's a film. So it's like a, it's like a commercial from from a film from the McGregor series. Okay, it's a new one. It's a new one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. I don't know. Listen, listen to that. Sounds good. sound pretty good it does have you seen any other ones I've seen the last one yeah where his wife gets taken right is that the last one yeah McGregor man on edge that's it yeah his wife gets taken gets her back it's true yeah spoiler alert we haven't done that one on the podcast yeah that's true it's true but yeah it's uh, it's good I like it I like the sound of this one yeah from what I understand, no one gets taken in this one. Right. Yeah. They're, I mean, you know, it's the same character, but it's not like... Uh, they don't repeat the same plot threads again and again. Right. Like some other franchises. Right. Like the one called Kidnapped? Uh-huh. Where they keep kidnapping they keep, people? Ah, uh, they they're taken. Like, loads of times. Yeah, they keep taking people. Uh-huh. Not yeah, like ki- this. <laughs> kidnapped. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one too, actually. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. It's got that Northern Irish guy or something, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. The first film. First film. Uh, yeah, so yeah, go watch McGregor. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> April 12th. Um, Arthur Mature. <laughs> Arthur Mature, indeed. <laughs> okay, yeah, first film is 1920. One week. It's a Buster Keaton film. Directed by Buskin and Edward F. Klein. Uh, tells the story of a, a, a couple, young couple's first week together. But, yeah, I don't know. It's not it's not a normal week, should we say. That's true. Yeah. It's a 24-minute film. Yeah. Yeah, so it's quite concise. Short on time. That's true. It's a good, it's a good one. Yeah. Buskin's known as probably one of the first stuntmen... Hmm. I guess. It's a very stunt-heavy film. Right. Very stunt-heavy. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. They move into a house. They're given a house. Right. Um, a portable house. A portable house. <laughs> it's just a box. It looks like they've been given... It looks like the guy's throwing down um, a coffin. Right, yeah. But then you realise it's, it's, it's the house. And they've got to kind of make it themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Great idea. Yeah. And like the box is tiny. It's, it's tiny enough that he gets, he steps into it in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Because just before that, he's been given a letter saying, I've left, from his uncle. Right. It's like, dear nephew, congratulations on your marriage. I've left you a house. It's mm-hmm. at this, this plot. Yep. He goes to it and it's a box. Yep. But it's not just any box. It's got the house. There is a house in there, and that's what that's what you you're kind of thinking. What? Well, that's got nothing in there. So, a lot. Yeah, a lot. The the beginning revolves around the building of the house, right? Um, but mm. the wife's ex suitor is involved somehow. Uh, he mislabels. He deliberately labels the box. So the box has to be assembled in a certain order to make a house, right? So this guy who's angry that the girl he was seeing is now married to someone else comes along and renumbers the bo- the the parts of the house. Right. So the house does not turn out like it should. No. It's like doors where they shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> Things revolve. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's that's the, that's the great thing about it. It's, it's very it's very cartoonish. Yeah. But but somehow they they've pulled it off. Well, I mean, not somehow, but they've pulled it off. It's cartoonish, but in like a really good way. But they've done, they do the exact same things that you could see in a cartoon. Yeah. Like they actually build this thing. Yeah. yeah which yeah, is insane. Yeah. It's, like the full, it's like the size of a real house. Yes. With, with like working doors and stuff. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, because obviously it's basically, well, it is a silent film. Um, the version I saw, I guess you saw it, some music on it. Yeah, but, um, <clears throat> pretty good. Pretty good music. Yeah, it, it fit. It did fit. Um, All about the stunts. Mm. Some. I get the impression that <laughs> during the early these early days, the safety. I guess regulations were pretty lax because yeah. some of the stuff that like, this has people like running out of the second story of a house straight into the ground. <laughs> This has like parts of the house falling over people. There's a bit where the house starts revolving. Yeah, and it's there's in a, a storm, right? Yeah, and there's a yeah. tiny gap underneath the house where Buster Keaton's legs have to go. You'd <laughs> think that if something went wrong there, it would like twist his legs mm. off his body. Yeah, it's a very light. It's a very likely thing to happen. Yeah, you got a point. Um, I don't know as much about Buster Keaton as I'd like to, but yeah, I like his name. It's a cool name. It's a cool name. But like, for example, like I know, yeah, we 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 talk about Jackie Chan a lot. We say a lot of same thing. But Jackie Chan, is somebody you know, as a naturally does all of his own stunts, and he's broken all kinds of things. He's even been in films where he's wearing um, casts on his leg, and they've tried to hide it and things like that. Right, right. right. But yeah, I, I don't know enough about Buster Keaton yet, but I'm sure. I'm willing to bet good money he was injured. <laughs> <laughs> Must have seen a bit of hospital time. Yeah. <laughs> but very, yeah, very, very uh, creatively done. You don't, you don't get yeah. that kind of stuff now. To that yeah. extent. Like, yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about not like, not having any dialogue, in terms of charging that creativity. Yeah. Because um, it's not a plot heavy film, obviously. Yeah. It relies on like that. What what you said in the synopsis? That is the film, right? Newlywed gets married, builds house. That's the film, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah with the world yeah like you said those those characters in mm, not helping the situation yeah <laughs> but i mean yeah that, that was the point i was going to make it like because it's there isn't that um uh there's no there's no conversations things like that to to, to focus on really they they do put they do put um there's writing on the, on on the screen right like title cards almost title cards they, I don't know if they fully amount to conversations but it will be sometimes people have someone said this and then someone said that hmm you know and there is the letter in the beginning of, right. from the uncle right. to Buster Keaton which they like show on the screen for you to read mm-hmm mm-hmm but a lot of it is um vis- visual gags yeah um but some of it like was was pretty pretty cool and but like I said before with the the cartoonish bit like there's one scene where um what is he trying to he's trying to pull something in or something a out piano. of the house I think he's trying to pull the piano into the house he, with he the rope hooks it up to the the to the light the light, light fittings right yeah. <laughs> and then the, the whole floor starts moving down and there's a guy upstairs and he just starts moving down with it yeah and it does it's just like exactly the stuff you'd see in a cartoon it's, right it's great and they actually built that those those effects I guess yeah very cool so yeah I think yeah did you have a favourite scene <clears throat> um I thought that I was I was really impressed by that effect I was impressed by a lot of the effects to be fair so was I um but yeah that, I was, was really impressed by that one I think it's the scale of it yeah like in modern films, you do get like practical effects and mm-hmm. stunts and stuff, but those practical effects, the, 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 there's usually a, a much smaller scale. Like a, for something like a house, these days they'll just do it digitally. It's too big and unwieldy to make, so they'll just do that kind of effect on a computer. Mm-hmm. It's just easier and cheaper. Mm-hmm. But obviously, with this film, they didn't have that. No such thing as a computer, or well, there was, but computers weren't building houses yeah <laughs> so they had to build the house yeah and have it fall over their actor with a conveniently shaped window yeah so that he's still alive <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and at the end it just gets smashed as well smashed train, train bloody runs through <laughs> it and they, they, there's a fake out so the house mm. they're trying to move the house mm. they put it onto the tracks and then they're worried about a train, which you can see coming from the background. And then the train comes and passes, and you're thinking, oh, it would have been cool if they did Avoided. that. But yeah, I guess it was too dangerous. <laughs> and then a second later, a train comes from the other side of the tracks and bloody plows through it. Mm. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's great. Uh, yeah, great film. It's very short. Yeah. Well, but I'd, I'd say, yeah, really good. I think more silent films should be this short. Mm. I think the the barrier of entry would be a lot smaller for people because I think there's there's like a most people don't want to watch silent films. Yeah. But if they're twenty minutes and they're full of action like this one was, and they're on YouTube, mm. a lot of them are on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Why well, well, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you should do. You should definitely do it. Um. Yeah. Any more comments? I think people should watch it. I do too. I'd heard the name Buster Keaton before this, but 
It was your suggestion that we do this one. Mm. And yeah, pretty damn good. If you hadn't suggested it, I would never have seen it. I wouldn't have gone out of my way to see it. Mm. But now that I've seen it, I'm glad I did. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, points? Out of ten. Out of ten. Um, I think, as these films go, mm-hmm. it was one of the better ones I've seen. I'd give it maybe 7.5. Mm. Maybe so. 8. 8 for the stunts. The bit where the house was like rotating in the storm, that was bloody cool. Yeah. I still don't know. I don't, I'm not sure how they did that. Yeah, it was, it was really impressive. Um, the, amount, the, the stunts were very impressive. Well, he's known for that. Right. But, yeah, you, even... even yeah, well, this film is 102 years old, right? It was made in 1920. That's right. So wow. It's bloody hell, it's, wow. When you, don't, when you think of it in that context, you're like, this is pretty damn amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 would go, I would go with eight. Probably could could even be more, but I'll go, I'll go hit eight. <clears throat> yeah. Very watchable. Yes, yeah. Time, the comedy timing is, is excellent. I loved yeah. T- more than a couple of times. Me too. There's the... Okay, before we finish on this one, mm. but there's that one scene right in the <laughs> beginning where... So they've just got married and they're on a carriage on their way to their new house, I guess. Ah. And the driver of the carriage is the guy who was dating his wife. Ah. And they're, tra- they're trying to kiss in the back seat. And every time they get close, this guy turns around really creepily. <laughs> and then they ev- the, the wife eventually... There's like a, another car mm-hmm. that pulls up alongside while they're driving. And the wife gets into the other car while they're both driving. And then the husband, Buster Keaton, also gets into that car. But he's got like one leg in one car, one leg in the other, while they're driving on the road. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. Yeah, this, there was a kind of different. We probably pushing it, but it was just before we end, there was the, I just noticed that when we saw that other film, uh, like the Day of the Race, now was it? Um, the Chaplin film, like. Uh, yes. Yeah. I know what. Yeah. I mean, he gets in a fight with a police officer, and in this one, a police officer gets his hat taken, and then he gets smacked, smacked over the head. That's true. Seems to be a kind of like a, a theme around police officers being abused. It's an anti-police for, film for humor. I don't know. So well, at that point, it was apparently acceptable, but. These days, I've no, I don't think I've seen a lot of that. Of comedic beating up of police officers. Yeah, you don't really see it as much. Not in Police Academy, but I mean, I don't... That was more if they were... And they were all police in there, I guess. Yeah, it wasn't really about that. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's a fair point. Final point for me. So if you're a police officer, maybe you don't watch this film. Don't go back to the 20s. <laughs> don't go back to the 20s. And be in a film. It's true. <laughs> sorry okay um, what's our next film? one more thing oh, oh okay sorry sorry. No, okay. I was just joking with Columbo just one more thing ah. that's what was happening ah. okay one more <laughs> one more film okay, the what's next, film. next what's next thank you <laughs> the next film very different film mm-hmm. is Boiling Point mm-hmm. uh, by Takeshi beat Takeshi Kitano Nineteen ninety. That's a Swiss. Nineteen ninety. What? We're cheating this one. Sorry. Okay. Continue. Email your protests to uh, (laughs) Al's personal email address. Indeed. 
Anyway, <laughs> this film, uh, <clears throat> this is Takeshi's second film as director, first as screenwriter. The protagonist is a fairly useless baseball player who also works at a garage. And in the beginning of the film, he disrespects a Yakuza, or accidentally disrespects a Yakuza, by not uh, cleaning his car when he was supposed to. And by offending this guy, he sets into motion a series of events which ends up with him having to get the aid of a, another Yakuza in Okinawa to get a gun to come back and get revenge. Right. It's a strange movie. Yes. Definitely not a conventional movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What do I think? Um, I, I like this film. I've, I've seen this film several times. Um, it's... Yeah, it's got kind of a, a rhythm to it that's not off. I mean, things progress slowly and there's um, a lot of... Sh we were talking about that, like a lot of shots of people seemingly not necessarily doing very much, but you're seeing their reaction to events. Yeah, I think it's, I've seen a, a, I think we've both seen a fair few Takeshi Kitano movies. Right. And this mm -hmm. is like a... He's got a stylistic theme to a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of... Let's just briefly talk about him. Okay. So, in the UK, what do you know Takeshi from? Before you, before you saw his movies, where did you hear his name? Uh, I'm, I don't know. I might have seen his movies before... Before Takeshi's Castle? Before Takeshi's Castle. Okay. I might have done. I might have done. I, Takeshi's Castle didn't come out until the 90s. Or it could have been around contemporaneously. Because I know that there was one movie... There was one of his films kicking around like Bad Cop. Okay. Yeah. So to be honest, I think I was more surprised when I realised he was a comedian. Right. That that was the yeah. point I was going to make. Cause, yeah. Like, if you've seen Takeshi's Castle, he's actually not in a lot of those episodes broadcast in the UK because they they cut a lot of that the real show out and. Or it's hard to recognise because he's wearing right. like a big helmet or something. Yeah. But anyway, that is the Takeshi who directed and is starring in this film, mm. and he is known. Even in Japan, as a comedian. Yeah. And he's on... Well, I mean, he's got a few hats. He's, he's also an artist as well. It's true. <clears throat> Director, artist, comedian. Mm -hmm. He throws pies in people's faces sometimes. <laughs> he does all sorts of ridiculous things. Right, but in, funny. in the 90s mm. and early 2000s, he was known for a lot of crime, <clears throat> Yakuza right. kind of movies. Like Sonatine, Hanabi, mm -hmm. this one, <clears throat> Violent Cop. Yeah. And there was the Outrage. He, yeah. he had a, like a series of Yakuza films called Outrage. Right. But this was his second one. Did a few, a few American ventures as well. He did. The less said about yeah, those, the better. They weren't great. Right. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> but yeah, this is one of the good ones. Yeah. Where was it going with this? So Takeshi, you mm -hmm. were saying, mm -hmm. you were saying something. Oh, um. <laughs> so I, der I derailed. I derailed that train of thought. Sorry. Uh, not really, but I mean, you know, like, um, yeah. Once he gets into this kind of his own directing, I guess. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, because we were talking about that, about his, well, I guess, the genre of the film. And... What is the genre? Yeah, well, that's what we were talking about. And I, I was, I, from from my perspective, I, I find a lot, at least, at least the way it's filmed, on some levels, realist, but then on other levels, it's kind of intentionally set, the sh- um, they've set the shots up in mm. a way that's like clearly very contrived. But right. at the same time, they've, they're filming it in a way that's almost realist. There's mm. a thing with his movies where even in action scenes, the camera is very static. Right. So I'm thinking, so there's a scene in this one, and I'm thinking of a very similar scene in Sonatine, mm-hmm. where right at the end of that film, spoiler, he gets his assault rifle and starts shooting up the exit office in that film. And it, it films it in a very similar way where just a static shot of him shooting. There's, not, there's nothing frenetic about it. It's just, that's what it is. And that, that's what happens in this film as well. He, spoiler, ends up shooting up Yakuza's office in this one as well. Sensing a theme. With an assault rifle. <laughs> Pattern. It's, it's emerging. Yeah, because like, it's not an action film. I think Not it, really, no. It has moments of action in it, but they're not filmed as they would be in an action film. He's got like this kind of... I don't want to call it relaxing, but... What's the word? Lackadaisical? Yeah. It's a very slow and even paced type of cinematography. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. It's, 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 not, it's the opposite of frenetic. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The pacing. Um, but it, do, it does, it is reflected in cinematography as well, like you say. Mm. Um, yeah. We actually had different <laughs> interpretations of what this movie was. So, mm. the beginning of the film opens, the protagonist, I actually don't know his name, I don't think anyone calls him by his name in the film. <laughs> anyway, the film opens with a shot of him taking a poo. So he's in the middle of a baseball game, and he's in the toilet. So Japan has a lot of outdoor toilets, and yeah. they have them in parks. So he's in one of these, and there's no lights in this place, so you just see like his face in shadow. And then he walks out onto the baseball game that he, he's supposed to be involved in mm-hmm. somehow he had time to go out and take a poo but the film also ends he's not an integral part of the team yeah he's, <laughs> he's a pretty useless player it seems but then the film ends with the exact same shot as the, the opening shot he's in that toilet right having a poo right and then he walks out onto the pitch in the exact same way as he does in the beginning <clears throat> in fact I think the scenes are identical I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same shot Mm. What I interpreted that to mean was that everything that happens in the movie up until the end shot where it comes back yep. to the beginning happened in his head while he was having a dump. Mm. I think if you watch the film literally and take what is showing you as what is actually happening at any particular time, yep. that is what the film would suggest. But that's not what you thought. Well, yeah, I mean, I um, well, because I mean, yeah, I mean, because that boils down to the storyline being basically, um, it was all a dream, right? Right. No one likes that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, like children do, like young children. 
That's how mm. they feel they finish It's not a children's movie. When they can't when they can't be bothered to like make up a proper ending, that's how they film that's how they end it, right? Yeah. Just um, to note this is not a children's movie. <laughs> it's, it should not be watching this. It's not, it's not. No. So yeah, I I literally never read it that way because I just assumed that that wasn't the case. Then right. they wouldn't they wouldn't do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you, it's a possibility, you're right. I always read that as uh, more of just like, you know, like a visual bookend um, and kind of ref- reflecting back on um, the kind of, the the innocence pre this story. Right. Unfolding. That yeah. does make sense because his yeah. character does change significantly. Right. Like in the beginning of the film, he's a normal dude. Mm-hmm. And right before the end, he's driving a lorry full of gas into the headquarters of a Yakuza family and right. blowing it up. With his girlfriend. With his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the reasons I yeah. thought my interpretation, or the literal interpretation, was, was one of the ways I thought they maybe foreshadowed that is yeah. a lot of the things that happen in the film feel like, like an, almost like a dream. Like, yeah. they're, they're not things that that would happen in real life. Mm. Like, for example, the the main guy, the protagonist, is a baseball player, mm-hmm. and he's a useless baseball player. Mm-hmm. But then, a few scenes later, he suddenly hits this amazing shot. I mean, he he doesn't end up messing it up because he, while he's running around the bases, he ends up overtaking his own teammate and costs them the game. But then it, it just, the, the story then spirals kind of out of control and it goes to these weird places where he meets Takeshi's character in Okinawa mm. and then they go from place to place doing these really weird shit. And then... And yeah, a lot of it, you've got to make up in between parts, haven't it? Like, they, like even, even not even when it gets to that part, but you mentioned when they get to Okinawa, there's nothing in between there. But right. even earlier shots, it'll, ju- it'll just start in where you're not exactly sure where the last scene's ended and then you have, you have to make it up as the, the scene unfolds. Right. It's cool. It's it's, it's actually inter- it's interesting and in- to watch that. And if it was in his head, that would make sense because when we, the way, when we picture things, we don't picture... We don't see like yeah. a timeline in our head of everything that happens. We just see the things we want to see. Inception. When you when you when you're in a dream, you don't remember how you got there, did you? Uh oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's one scene in particular, which I think we both like. Mm. What's that scene? That would be the scene where scene karaoke. That's right, karaoke. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yes. So that scene is about 50 minutes into the movie, so just over the halfway point. So they, the main character meets Takeshi Kitano, mm-hmm. who's this like abhorrent Yakuza guy, who's a nutcase. Right. And Takeshi ends up bringing the protagonist and his buddy along with him to this bar. And his, <laughs> the protagonist's buddy is singing uh, this song called Akujo. Mm. It's a very good song. Oh. Uh, Miyuki Nakajima. Mm-hmm. But he's singing it really badly. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> He's just trying to hit the high notes and his voice just not doing it. But another thing that mm. I thought felt dreamlike. So in that scene That yeah, the camera's very Yeah. It's like floating around right, the bar. Right. And then 
like this, these another couple of yakuza's come in, and Takeshi's character bottles one <laughs> with a beer. They just don't like their attitude. Yeah. yeah. It's like. And then the second yakuza gets up like to defend his, to defend his boy, and then Takeshi's mate beats him up, and then continues dancing. Right. And no one else reacts. The guy who's singing the karaoke never stops. The protagonist doesn't say anything. Takeshi's girlfriend doesn't even move. Mm. And then, like, ten seconds later, Takeshi gets up and bottles the same guy again in the same way. And then his mate gets up just like he did before. And mm. Takeshi's mate beats him up just as he did before and continues dancing just as he did before. Yeah. It's a really weird scene and it just feels like... I don't know, it feels like a dream. It's an interesting point. Um, uh, one one thing I'd like to touch on though is uh, we we were talking about like the the the, the pl- plot lines, right? And um, you uh, you made a good point in terms of like, highlighting that, but it's got the the first section where he gets in the trouble with Yakuza has to go to the has to go to uh, Okinawa, yeah, right. Then you got the Okinawa bit where he's with Kitano, yes, and. And then it comes back when he comes back to I think they're in Tokyo area, right? Right. Supposedly. Uh, and then it comes back to this storyline, following on from the, the first section. Um, but for me, <clears throat> I I kind of switched off after they'd come back from Okinawa. Like I wasn't particularly invested in the storyline after that, which I think is a weakness in the film. Yes, I think it shows that this was his second film. And first as screenwriter because the begin the first forty minutes of the film is the main story. It's the protagonist. Yeah. It's, it's it's the main thread of the film, and then once he gets to Okinawa and meets Kitano, then the plot changes mm. and it becomes Kitano's movie. Right. For about half an hour, the main thread that you've been following up until now is kind of abandoned, and then you're now on with with Kitano and his mate on this like trip of an evening very strange evening mm. and then eventually the last 15 minutes it goes back once they get back to Tokyo it goes back to the main thread and by that point because there's been I think the tone has changed the first 40 minutes yeah. is kind of like a conventional story and then mm. once Kitano gets on screen it's no longer a conventional story anymore it's just nuts yeah, it's it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. And then when it get when it tries to go back to the slower paced story that it started with, I think by I think it's shot its load. Yeah, that's is the expression. That's right. Yeah, because it ends for me around when they're when they're getting on the plane. Right. To come back personally. And Takeshi's just like such a force of nature. One, you can't have him on screen, and then just abandon his plot in the last 15 minutes and try and go back to something else. Yeah. Like he's that scenery chewing. He's the, I mean in all of his films he's he's the guy you he's usually the guy you go to see it. Right. For. He's right. the reason. Right. And there's a good reason for that. He's a damn good actor. Yeah. And yet his his character in this is just maniac. And the tone changes. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I agree. So yeah, that is it's 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 a weakness of the film. I I, th- I think it doesn't end anywhere near as strongly as it starts. No, but I think the first two, maybe two thirds of the film are pr- 
pretty damn pretty damn good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I think it's just yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've said it. I've said it. We've already said it. So. We've said it. There are just one more thing. Okay. There are a few strange things in this film. Um, so when they meet Takeshi and they go to the bar, there are two foreign ladies inside, mm-hmm. and one of those ladies is then dragged on, is dragged into the journey with, with the, the main characters. Yeah, she looked like she seemed like she might be just worked at the bar as well, like she was working there. Right. I got that impression. Anyway, yeah, sorry. I haven't <clears throat> seen many black ladies in Japanese films full stop, let alone Japanese films in the late 80s, 90s of this period. Yeah. And she doesn't really say any, she doesn't have any speaking lines in the whole film, mm. even though she's in it for like 20 minutes, 15, mm. 20 minutes. She doesn't say anything. Mm. She just like participates in the thread of the story. And then Takeshi being a, the dick he is, they're like all sitting in a car and Takeshi's complaining that there's too many people in the car. And then the next second, you just it cuts to her standing outside the car. She's obviously just been kicked out. And then the car drives off. It's just a really weird, weird a horrible bastard. plot point. <clears throat> to be fair, of all the horrible things he does in this film, that's pretty low on the scale. Arguably, yeah. <sighs> All right, score. Uh, even though I've kind of said like I didn't don't really like the final, you know, fifteen minutes. It's not that I don't like it. It's just more that I've, I've checked out of the story. Right. Um. Uh, but even though I've said that, I still I'd still give it a good. I still give it kind of a heart. I really like this film. I've seen it a lot of times. So I still give it an eight actually. Just, okay. just for the. For the karaoke scene, just for the well, yeah, maybe. But I mean, you know, if, if, if they can, they carried still like an hour and fifteen minutes of it. Yeah, which is it's not bad. Some films Most can't carry film. that. That's true. You know, and I think it's it's to its the runtime does it a favor, to, mm. does itself a favor. Being an hour and a half, it doesn't. Well, maybe it does, but it doesn't give itself the chance to overstate its welcome too much. If this was like a two-hour film, and the once they get back to Tokyo, there's another half an hour left. That I think would have checked. Yeah, that I think would have lowered my score more. Yeah. But I think the ending is not as egregious as all that. It's not. It's not terrible. It's just. Yeah. You know. So. I would give it seven. Okay. That's fair. But the karaoke scene is ten out of ten. Yeah. That one scene is one of my favorites in all of his work. Yeah. But the film True. as a whole, I'd give it a seven. Mm. I definitely think it's worth watching. Mm. But you, yeah, worth watching knowing what it is. It's not a conventional film, and Takeshi has his own style. Mm. And the last film, again, tonally very different. What is it? <laughs> it is Rush Hour. Um, 1998. Brett Ratner. That's it. Is the director. What's it about? Ah. <laughs> uh, a Chinese diplomat's diplomat's daughter gets kidnapped. Kidnapped, kidnapped, kidnapped. And um, you need a you need a team up. You need Lee, aka Jackie Chan, and Carter, aka Chris Tucker, to to go and sort the situation out. 
Indeed. Yes. It's a bit of a classic, this movie, isn't it? Like, um, I, I, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, at the time, if you look back at critics' reviews, mm. kind of middling. Um, right. But I think, like, as body cop movies go, and there's not that many of them. It... I remember... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a phenomenon, but yeah. Mm. But yeah, it stands out as one of the most memorable ones. The first one. Anyway, Russia right. won. I even thought that Jackie Chan didn't think it was going to be very successful. I don't think he even got it. Right. Because this is, this is his like, big Hollywood crossover movie, right? Before this, yeah. he was still very much a Hong Kong action star. Right. There was Rumble in the Bronx. I don't know if that didn't get that much critical success. No, I think it was. I think it was popular amongst people who were already kung fu movie fans. Yeah, and Jackie yeah. and Jackie Chan fans, but it might not have got. Hence crossover. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. This yeah. after this because before this he like made ex- own like pretty much exclusively Hong Kong action movies, right? Or action movies. Yeah. And then after this, he started doing other stuff as well. Like he was in. I have nothing's coming to mind, but he was in other stuff that well, was... He was in more dramery stuff. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, he's in like that. He's in that Japanese, what's it called? Uh, Shinjuku Showdown or something. What's it called? Shinjuku Incident? Yeah, that's the something one. Like right, that. right. And he's in that film, The Foreigner. Right. With uh, uh, Timothy, no, Pierce Brosnan, I think was the bad guy in that. Right. So yeah, he did, yeah, he did broaden out a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, anyway, yeah, okay. This um, introduced him to me when I was younger anyway. Ah, uh, gotcha. I'm sure I heard, I'd heard the name, but I, 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 yeah, I don't think I'd actually seen him because this was 98, so mm-hmm. I would have been seven. Right, yeah. So that's that's perfect time to get acquainted with Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what makes this worth watching? Why is it memorable? Um, I think, well, because I think that buddy cop, that buddy, buddy movie formula, it was a little bit 80s. Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably pre-existed that as well. I think that's, it's pre-existed. Like, there's, it's the straight man and the kind of non, I don't know, fun, funky <laughs> what man. What are you trying to say? Funky man. Well, I mean, you know, that, that's almost like, there's like Laurel and Hardy in a way. Right, right. Like that, that's a kind of, a, that's kind of an old uh, trope. But they've continually been reinvented, and and this is one of those those reinventions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the dynamic between them works, big time. Yeah. Very 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 good chemistry, I think. Yes. Yeah, this uh, was my first introduction to Chris Tucker as well, and to be honest, I haven't seen him in anything really apart from the three Rush Hour films. Chris Tucker's a funny one. Like he can look very different in different films. Like he looks, I think in he's in um, Fifth Element. He's in. He's in the Fifth Element. Looks really looks different very strange. In <laughs> yeah. and Friday looks really different as well to ah, me. Ah, yeah. Like he he always has like a knack of looking quite different. He's very good at controlling his face. Yeah. He, yeah, he has like very. He can make some very intense facial expressions, which mm. add to his comedy. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. 
but yeah, Chris Tucker is definitely like a key, obviously a key part in this film, and that's what that was the thing I was thinking. Um, so we still talked about it being like a crossover for Jack or Jackie Chan into like Hollywood, mm. but that, but I think that may have been the key because some like those he might have not been well enough known for his movies to fly, right on his own right on his yeah. own yeah because like uh, what's it called Rumble in the Bronx is very much a Jackie Chan film right. And this one is is you know is a Chris Tucker Jackie Chan film, right? Um, yeah, I think he needed that American and that like charismatic American actor to play off. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not that. Not that. I mean, if yeah, I don't, the movie wouldn't have been the same if it was just Jackie Jackie Chan, because it's mm. I think the whole point of the movie is like you said, the straight guy versus mm. the like slightly eccentric mm-hmm. in, in this case is Chris Tucker's mm-hmm. Agent Carr mm-hmm. yeah he's a he's a funny character as well he's like well he's like because um, we were talking about this so <laughs> I was saying he can be a little bit glib he's got like he's got like a he's got a slight and I mean it in the James Bondy way he's got like a slight James Bond thing going just a slight one I see. Like he'll 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 dispatch people, or they'll be dead, and he'll make like a remark that's kind of like quick, or kind quip, of. yeah. yeah. Um, but he's ultimately basically good, even though he's he's a very destructive character. One of the first scenes you're introduced to him <laughs> with, he's buying uh, weapons. Um, C four from C4, this C4. arms dealer or something, right? <laughs> And then he just shoots at a car which he knows has got this C4 in and it it blows up. Of and he course. doesn't know the guy's jumped out of the car, so presumably he thinks he's killing this guy. He doesn't guy. seem to care, does he? Like, he doesn't care either way. Like he's uh, he's pretty much out of control. <laughs> he, he like inadvertently gets these two cops shot and he's like, Yeah, you should have you should have dropped your gun, shouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. But it's um But yeah, I mean that's I think that's part of what like the appeal. Yeah. All right, so a slightly change of tack. Yeah. Brings some structure mm-hmm. that we may have been lacking mm-hmm. to this podcast. I'm going to give two scenes okay. which I think justify seeing this movie. Okay. So Crack. I'm going to present these as evidence. Crack on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, scene one. So Jackie Chan's character... So Chris Tucker's character has been assigned to basically babysit Jackie Chan's character. Yeah. To not allow him to do anything, basically. So Jackie Chan's character escapes. He escapes while his hand's handcuffed to a steering wheel. So he takes the steering wheel off, Mm. and then in the next scene, he's like wandering around with it still handcuffed to his hand. And then he has to to then join up with the consul, who's being heavily guarded by all these FBI agents. And it's kind of like a reverse horror movie scene where the good guy, in which case, in this case the consul, is like inside the house, surrounded by like his his guards. And usually there would be the bad guy like trying to fight their way in. And in this case, it's Jackie Chan with his steering wheel handcuffed to his hand. And one of the reasons that Rush Hour works is because of Jackie Chan's stunts. Like yes, he some of the things he can do. I mean, in American movies before this, especially, it just wasn't it wasn't seen. You never saw people fighting like this. Right. Is that is that an accurate statement? Would you say? 
I would say so, yeah, even kind of like the Van Dams and those kind of martial yeah, the, artists. The, the, the choreography is different. very stiff and upright and yeah. robotic. Some of it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like Jackie Chan's like jumping up walls, he's flipping over sofas, he's throwing a bunch of shit. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it's this whole scene, he's fighting with the steering wheel still attached to his arm. He dismantles, a, he disarms one of the guards, dismantles the weapon with one hand. And it's just like a very impactful violence. Mm. Even though, I mean, we talked about this earlier, it's not real violence. It's not, is it? This isn't yeah. how real people fight in, yeah. in real life. But at the same time, everything he's doing looks impactful. It looks right. like someone's getting hurt. And yeah, all those power beings are definitely right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some some get hurt, it's fair. Yeah. And then it's actually it's accurate because when, when you see the outtakes at the end of the film, I mean usually the person getting hurt is Jackie Chan himself. Yeah. He's like injuring his back or his or or something. Mm. But yeah, I think that's why it works, because he injects the comedy into the action. Yeah. Like the, it's kind of the absurdity of him fighting with the steering wheel dangling off his arm. Yeah. And he like disarms and beats up a bunch of who are supposedly the top FBI agents in the country. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of like juxtaposition of he's the good guy mm. and he's fighting the good guys and he's mm. like making them look silly. Yeah. But it just works. But that's it, like in, I, I've, remember, I've heard him say this before, like he'll, he'll do, one of his things he did in films was like beat, kind of, kind of beat someone up, but like not beat them up. Right. Like just show that like, they can't beat him up. Exactly. <laughs> he's, 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 he's like defensive fighting. Mm. He's just disarming everyone. He's not... Right. He doesn't shoot anyone. Right. In the whole film. Right. Pretty much in... Does Jackie Chan ever shoot anyone in any of his films? Um, he... Like he holds a gun quite often. Yeah, no, not usually. Right? Yeah, because he, he's, he's killed... He kills... He kind of ends up... He ends up being a key element in the death of the bad guy. Yeah, well, not really. You're gonna shoot him, but he, he's like dangling off the scaffolding. Oh, and he kind of falls off. And the off, bad guy he? just like loses grip. Yeah, he doesn't like let go or anything. Mm. Whereas Chris Tucker's character, like, there's mm. the again the juxtaposition of <laughs> Jackie Chan being the straight guy, Chris Tucker just shooting he's everything tr- and blowing he's tr- shit he's up. Trigger happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so that that's mm. Exhibit One. <laughs> exhibit Two, Scene Two. So. There's the action, and then the other thing that makes this film work is the charisma and chemistry between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Yeah. And then there's a scene where, in Chris Tucker's car, they're playing War, uh, Edwin Starr? Edwin Starr's War? Apparently. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackie Chan starts like singing along with the radio. I think Chris Tucker's character is like, he's taking the piss, because the way Jackie Chan says, you all. Yeah. And... Chris Tucker's got his, he's got a very like twangy way of saying it. That's obviously more natural and how it's said in the song. Mm-hmm. And then they have this kind of dance off while Chris Tucker's like staring him intensely in the eyes. <laughs> it's really weird, but it's also just really funny. Like it's that thing, he, he does these things with his face. Mm. And he's, he's a very, they're both very physical. Like yeah, Jack's, they're both body actors, aren't they? I guess. Right? Yeah. You call it. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd call it anyway. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's not just jokes it's everything it's the way they're moving it's what they're mm. saying mm. and it builds up this chemistry between them that i think a lot of other well not a lot but maybe quite a few other 
buddy cop movies, especially modern ones, they don't really get that much into the chemistry between them. There's a lot more action and CGI and spectacle, but yeah. less actual charisma between the two main guys. I mean, yeah. Obviously, the exceptions to the rules, but I mean, I, yeah. it's it's a broad genre. It's a broad genre, but right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, those are those those are the two pieces of evidence which I think <laughs> <laughs> close this case. <laughs> Any objections? <laughs> Bringing the court to order. Um. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, I think they're they're quite indicative of um, what makes the film good. <laughs> Would you care to play devil's advocate? Um, no, I wouldn't. I mean, yeah, good, I mean you know, good. like <laughs> it's the correct answer. It's it, you know, as much as it's like very stunt heavy, it's a Jackie Chan film, which means yeah, you're gonna get like what you said. You're gonna get um, stunts done, done. <laughs> They're not gonna be CG in them. I mean, exactly. It was 1998. I mean, there were plenty of like Jurassic, CG. Where's Jurassic Park? No. Ninety three. Three. So yeah, it was already it was already a thing. Yeah. That's but, yeah. One of the things that's one of the things I like watching it recently, it's probably not something I noticed at the beginning because thing movies tended to be more stunt heavy mm. and practical effects heavy back in the day. But yeah, I don't remember any CG scene in the movie. The explosions oh, no. are real. No. The I don't think so. So let's films like John Wick even though there's a lot of like physical choreography, things like the gunfire, the muzzle flashes are CG, mm. and you can tell they're fake. Mm. In this film, the muzzle flashes look real, the explosions look real, the stunts yeah. look real. I mean, uh, Jackie Chan probably doesn't even use a body double, I'm assuming. I don't think so. Probably not. No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, just, it's very yeah. well made. Yeah. Got to admire the craft. Yeah, definitely. Um... That being said, I oh. think this is what the <laughs> one of the one of the tropes of his films generally is 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 character kind of caricatures things things are quite heavy handed mm. bad guys good guys yeah um, but that for me I enjoy that still it's like it's uh, it's it's not going for salty this movie yeah it's not going for salty it's still not quite as over the top as um, Rumble and Junk in in the Bronx for its lack of stuff <laughs> but it's know, a more refined movie than slight, that yeah slightly but a little bit um, but I was, I was noticed like like Jun Tao ends up and who's the bad guy he's the very bad guy he's the one who's been um, who's yeah Jun Kit. Tao also known as Tom Wilkinson <laughs> yeah who is a, he's in, like an ex-British governor I guess he was was he the governor of Hong Kong something, something. like that yeah mm. Because the film starts on the last day of British rule right. in Hong Kong. 97. Right. Um, Wait, no. It was made in 98. It was made in 98. Just the year after, yeah. Yep. Um, so he's... When he appears in the film in the final scene, he's dressed in this kind of very old-fashioned sort of anachronistic dress, which I think is really hammering home the point that he's kind of an exemplar of the kind of prejudices that I think Americans and also probably the Chinese have about the British as like the, the, these um, 
there were a few films in the 90s where the bad guy was a like what's the word a almost cartoonishly evil there's the patriot oh right and i mean this guy's not as cartoonishly villainous as that but he's not far off he's not far <laughs> off and he's, he's like the only british guy in the movie and he's a bad guy <laughs> so it's a common theme for hollywood and presumably yeah, yeah. Really Chinese films to some extent. Chinese have probably got more reason to, to hate the British actually than the Americans, but you know, let's I'll be going there. Nah, let's, no, let's continue. Let's continue. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, <laughs> this this film, we were talking about this also. This is this is always moving on to more observations than whether it's a good film or not, generally. It is. It is a good film. But I mean just observations about the film. Um would have you noticed this? Like a lot of vi- videos on YouTube or these or news articles have got like warnings at the beginning about this article. Trigger warnings. And... Trigger warnings and all this kind of shit. Like, I'm going go to this. I'm going to give a trigger warning. <laughs> <laughs> this film is not entirely PC, you know? It's not. It's not. It could upset some people. But at the same time... Okay, this is the question I'll pose. Do you think it, aff- it offended anyone when it was made? I don't remember being offended when I was a kid, per se. Neither do I. When I watched it, I don't remember that. I think that the kinds of tropes that the film... kind It's not satire, but the kind of tropes that the film uses... Mm. I don't Com- think... Common for that time. Yeah, mm. and I don't, I don't think they're particularly offensive. But things change. Yeah. And I think we said this... Well, I, I think I said this before we... Recorded. I don't. I don't think this film would have been made today, not yeah. in the same way it was made here. Like some of the jokes. Yeah, the adapted tone toned those down presumably. Yeah, I don't think you could have actors saying the n word when they're not black these days, unless you're. I mean Tarantino that. You know or something. What ensues? Well, yeah, but what ensues from him saying that is it him fighting these people. <laughs> so I mean, you know. And Chris Tucker makes a lot of Asian jokes in this. Right. A lot of way, Asian jokes. Way more. Yeah. Way more than Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan sort of says the comment in a very naive Right. Manner. Because that's his character. He's like very innocent. He does, right. He's just copying what Chris Tucker's already said. Right. Um, but yeah, he ended up... I don't know, yeah, but probably probably it still is a little bit... Wouldn't, wouldn't really fly these days, I guess. Mm. I think they'd probably just leave it alone just in case. Right. But... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think this film's particularly offensive. And it definitely wasn't intended to be. It's still on... It's it's not been named as offensive. And they, they are pulling... Not pulling, yet. Well, yeah, not yet. But they are they are doing that with, with things. There's like revision... I don't know if you call it revisionism or not. What do you call it revisionism? What do you call it? Things, yeah, things it's, that kind, are, it's a kind of revisionism. Things that have been made are being withdrawn from oh, they have they have been before anyway like it's, it's not a new thing but due to like changes in what's acceptable things have been removed even recently TV right. shows and things from um, syndication what's the, what's the word but yeah yeah not, streaming yeah. services etc right, right yeah this one yeah, this, this hasn't quite caught the hasn't caught any flack yet yeah but I think I want to emphasise yet yeah, the way could, things are going yeah. on, who knows? It could, it could do. Next on the hit list. Yeah. 
But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether it, whether it, whether it would affect people these days or not. You know, I don't know. I don't think it would have. I don't think it does. But I think mm. some people look for a reason to be offended. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I was offended by the, the portrayal of uh, Tom Wilkinson as the British, the bad British guy, <laughs> but no one supported my petition. No. <laughs> it's outrageous. This film should be cancelled. Uh, <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, marks. Anything else? Any more comments? Uh, no. I think we're about ready to give it a score. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Makes sense. In the context of it being a body cop action movie, I'm not expecting it to be. I'm not expecting the dialogue to be Oscar worthy. Mm. But then, having said that, I think it's very funny, very well written movie in terms of the comedy. Mm-hmm. And the action's pretty damn good. Yep. Holds up. Yep. The stunts hold up. I would give it an 8. Mm, that's fair. Out of 10? Yeah. How about you? I think I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I think I would. It's something you can come back to and watch again. I've done so. And Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and still enjoy. Just because there's quite, it's quite a lot going on there. You can still yeah. see new things and stuff like that. Um Jackie Chan movies tend to be like that. Very yeah. watchable. Right. Definitely. And yeah, and even the backstory, if you if you're interested, it's worth having a little look into. Like Jackie Chan doesn't really speak that much English, but he speaks English in the film. But yeah. he's had to, he's basically had to like learn the lines as he went along. Like phonetically and stuff. Yeah. And one of the jokes in the film is that he can speak English but like doesn't. And he, he tricks Chris Tucker's character into thinking he can't speak English. Right. Which I thought was pretty well done as well. Yeah. And there's even some stories about their first meeting which, which where Chris Tucker's trying to talk to him but he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't understand what he's saying to him. So yeah. But yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Three Keynote. I'm proud. You're out. I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Three keynote. Three keynote.